There are two readings this morning, and the first is from Isaiah, and that is chapter 60, 1 to 6. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes, and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To the riches of the nations, they will come. Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Epaph. And all sheep will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. And the second reading is from Matthew 2, and that is 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east. They came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet wrote, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. And after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them, until it stopped over the very place the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning to you all and hello. It is really lovely to see you. It's fabulous to see your faces after five whole months away from you all. And it's uh, good to be back, good to be back with you. I wish it was a couple of degrees warmer, but it is really lovely to be here and to see all of you. Now, before we get into the text for today, I'm not going to speak in detail about the reasons that I was off for the last few months, 
but I will say that it has been a really challenging and painful time, and I wouldn't have stayed away from you all for so long if it hadn't been necessary for me to do so. So I hope you will forgive me for being away from you for such a long time, but I have been able to take the time to come back refreshed and to reset and to put in place the things that need to be in place for me ready for the year ahead. And I know that the church wardens and the staff team and the PCC and so many of you in the areas that you volunteer in have gone above and beyond over these last five months to keep everything running and thriving at St. John's. And I'm so grateful to Katie and Martin and Kirsty and James and all of the PCC and all of you who have gone above and beyond to just make sure that everything could not only run but also continue to grow and thrive. And I think it's really important that we say thank you. So should we do that now? Over the coming few weeks, I'm going to be easing myself back into work. So I'm not going to be working a completely full-time week straight away. I want to prioritize seeing people face-to-face. -face. I want to be hearing what has been going on for all of you. And I'm going to be prioritizing doing my best. I mean, there's quite a lot of you. There's more of you than there are of me. So it's going to take me some time. But I, I would like to connect with people and prioritize that over all of the admin that obviously also needs to be done as well. And I'm going to be very disciplined with myself about how much time I spend staring at a screen. So if I'm slower than usual to reply to emails, that is going to be why. I'm returning to you all with a real desire to get back to basics. I feel that God has been teaching me more about the simple rhythms of just being with him and spending time in his presence every day and allowing the rest of our time, our commitments, what we give our time and energy to, our responsibilities to flow out of this place of connection. And this place of connection, if you're anything like me, is not particularly easy to maintain. It takes work. It doesn't just happen. And so we're having to be, I'm having to be intentional about making sure that that remains a priority. I am not great at embedding new habits. I have an overactive, busy brain that likes to keep me moving through activities, likes to keep me saying yes to everything all day long. And I'm trying to welcome the word no as my new best friend. So I'm trying to guard my time and space with Jesus above all else. And this might mean stopping looking at emails in the middle of the day to go and walk the dog so that I can think. It has certainly meant restarting the daily practice of keeping a prayer journal. 
So my hope for 2024 is that you can expect a vicar who is less busy doing and more carefully safeguarding the time, the energy, and the headspace to thrive. And I hope that as I learn to do this, it will carve open the space, the permission, and the culture for us all to guard our own hearts against the constant tyranny of busyness and expectation. So we're about to turn in a moment to look at the texts that Leanne just read for us. But before, you, before we do that together, why not turn to someone nearby and remember St. John's, I know I've been away for a while, but my understanding is that if you don't want to talk to anyone, you have absolute permission not to. But if you do want to talk to somebody, um, why not turn to somebody nearby and tell them something that you are hoping for this year? I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions here, because we all know that these last a maximum of about four days, and we're beyond that now. But I'm talking about something that you are hoping for this year. So just take a moment and if you want to speak to someone and share that with them, do. Okay, so these will be good conversations to continue over coffee. If you've uh, begun to explore your hopes with someone and feel it'd be helpful to explore those a bit more, we're going to turn to those texts now from Matthew and the book of Isaiah. Now, I don't know if any of you here are fans of Ready Steady Cook. Have we got any fans of Ready Steady Cook here? It's not really on anymore, is it? And it isn't a show that I particularly watched, but here is a fun fact, something that you may not know about me, is that in the year 2000, I was a contestant on Ready Steady Cook. I know. I won as well. I have the red apron to prove it somewhere. I, maybe somewhere. We might have thrown it out now. I'm not entirely sure. But it wasn't a program that I had ever really watched either, much like many of you, um, which was a little bit awkward when I went to the screen test because the screen test was full of people who were hardcore fans, like people who watched it every day. In the year 2000, they probably still set their video recorder to record it when they were out at work. And I had never watched the program. I had no idea how it worked. But one of my really good friends, first job straight out of university, was as a researcher for the show. And she said, oh, do you want to go on telly? And of course, I said yes. And so she blagged us the chance to be contestants. So off I went to London to cook puddings with Nick Nairn and James Martin. It was a fun day. They fed us very, very well. Now, you may wonder where I'm going here with that story, but usually I would spend time ahead of uh, the preaching road to going out, planning and thinking through the themes for what we would be looking at. Um, and so this season, we're in the lectionary, we're focused on the lectionary, and when I looked at the readings for today, I thought, my goodness, what am I going to cook with these? It was a little bit like being back on Ready, Steady, Cook. But the wonder of preaching is that the Lord seems to have a plan. 
And he showed up and gave me a clear sense about what it was we ought to cook with these passages here this morning. There is actually a brilliant sense of coming together of this account of the visit of the Magi to meet the baby Jesus and Isaiah's prophecy from over 500 years before that of God's light shining on his people. So let's begin by thinking about the visit of the Magi. We learn that the Magi, who were wise men from the east, are compelled by changes in the stars to visit Jerusalem and seek out the infant who has been born King of the Jews. There's been lots of speculation over whether the Magi are Jewish or Gentile. And I'm not going to go into the details of that speculation here, But the way that Matthew presents their request to visit the king of the Jews leads me to favor the idea that the Magi are not Jewish. And so we see at the beginning of Matthew's gospel that Matthew is presenting the birth of Jesus as an event that has cosmic significance, influencing those of all nations. And this ties in really beautifully with the ending of Matthew's gospel, which is Jesus' commission to take the good news again to all nations. The idea that the gospel is for everyone, not just the Jewish people, is a thread running through all of Matthew's gospel, even though Matthew is the most Jewish of the gospel writers. And as I was reading the text in Matthew, verse 3 jumped out at me in a way that I have never noticed before. Verse 3 tells us that when King Herod heard that the Magi had come to visit, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. I found myself really intrigued by this idea of disturbance across the whole of Jerusalem. Now, it could be that the people of Jerusalem, knowing the cruelty that insecure King Herod was famed for, got a sense of foreboding about the potential tragedy that would befall them, which we read about in verse 16 to 18, when Herod gives the evil command for all boys aged two and under to be slaughtered in and around Bethlehem. It's just an unimaginable level of suffering, isn't it? The Jewish people are living under someone who is capable of unthinkable cruelty and injustice. And this has to weigh upon them every day thinking about that made me think about our experience now of living with political, global, economic and climate instability all around us, with wars going on in Ukraine, Gaza, Sudan and numerous other places. We too are living in a time of great disturbance all around I remember when Moses was in cathedral choir, I used to take him to practice at the cathedral every Friday tea time. 
while he was there, I used to wander around town. And even in 2019, the city centre often felt dark and sinister as I looked around. There was a significant increase in those living street homeless. There were more and more shops boarded up and closing, less people walking around in the city centre. And many people who were there looking harassed, stressed, and weighed down by life. I found it really sad to be there. And then came the pandemic, which has changed all of us. Going back into Sheffield City Centre now, it's great to see signs of rebuilding and some evidence of new life. But the signs of chaos and upheaval are still all around us. And I think it's true that political chaos and upheaval, economic instability, institutional anxiety, news of war and conflict around the world, all of these things cause a disturbance. Spiritual disturbance, emotional disturbance, relational disturbance amongst all of us. We become discombobulated, I like that word, out of sorts, not okay. I think this is what Matthew was describing. This is what had happened for the people of Jerusalem living under Herod in a time of political and social instability, living under Roman occupation. The people were not okay. And whilst many of us might have lots of good things going on in our lives, lots to give thanks for right now. The overriding gut sense for us right now, socially and politically, is that we are not okay either. I wonder if you have ever driven through fog. Anyone had that experience? I was driving home at night from Manchester a couple of months ago, and coming to the end of Woodhead Pass, I drove into a fog that was so thick, I could literally only see a couple of feet in front of the car. I needed to slow to a crawl and just focus on the distance immediately in front of me that I could see. It was really scary, like all the light and clarity had been sucked away from me. For those who are Harry Potter fans amongst you, it was a little bit like driving through a cloud of Dementors. It lasted for just a few moments, and then as I drove onto higher ground, it was like the clouds parted and normal service could resume. But for those few minutes, I could only travel at the pace I could see for, which is a good metaphor for life in the dark, I think. What I notice about the passage from Matthew's Gospel is that right in the midst of the darkness and the gloom, God shows up and provides a way. God speaks to both Joseph and the Magi through dreams and averts their course away from impending disaster. What I notice about times of noise and disturbance is that there is often 
so much noise and clamour going on around us. We humans, when we're in crisis, are good at creating drama. Nobody here is good at creating drama, are we? We're good. I'm certainly good at creating drama, venting anxiety, sharing our feelings. But when things have gone askew, we need to get up to the higher ground where we can see clearly again. We need to look up and get away from the noise. Whilst the noise and the disturbance is all around us, it is impossible to think straight. But when we get above the fog and the murk, when we can silence the voices and the noise, we're able to see and hear again. And this is what I see from the text in Matthew. In the midst of a situation that looks extremely bleak for Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus, God intervenes and opens up a way out. Joseph has to listen to God, and he has to decide to do what God says. But by this point in the story, he already has a little bit of skin in the game in terms of hearing to God, hearing God and choosing to do what he believes that God's saying. He's well-practiced, and I think we can probably agree that his faith has been bolstered by the singing clouds of angels attending his baby son even before the Magi arrived. I think that would probably build anybody's faith a little bit, wouldn't it? It isn't always easy to get above the noise and the clamor that would seek to disturb us. We can't always track down the presence of God or easily feel that we know what he's saying. But we can make choices to put ourselves in a position that may make encountering God more likely. I am not particularly brilliant at following daily disciplines. Some people are really good at this, but I'm a easily distracted, busy-minded, active person, and with the best will in the world, my best intentions can easily be blown off course because I am a human. Of late, there has been so much noise and disturbance around me, however, that I'm realizing that I have no choice but to build my life around habits that will keep me tuned in. And this means actively tuning other things out. So for me, some things that I am actively going to be tuning into this year include keeping a daily Bible reading and prayer journal, trying to get outside and be in the woods, walking the dog or being outdoors most days, building regular exercise into my daily life, noticing beauty in the mundane things of life, like the sun coming into the kitchen, a poem or a perfect slice of toast, investing in relationships that grow and nourish me, reading books and listening to podcasts that grow my mind and fill my soul, 
And here are some of the things that I'm going to be actively tuning out. Impossible expectations of myself and from others. Constant communication across multiple media channels like email and WhatsApp. Relational drama. Christians fighting on social media. I'm going to be actively choosing not to engage with those things. Your list may well be very different from mine, but I would encourage you to think about what most helps you to get beyond the noise and disturbance that is all around. What most helps you to hear the voice of God, to encounter the love of God, to receive the grace of God? And conversely, what are the things that block you from experiencing the presence of God or knowing his love and grace? The Isaiah reading reminds us, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, thick darkness is over the people's but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. As we go into 2024 together, I believe it is possible for us to see and know the light and the glory of the Lord. The initiative to break through our darkness comes from him, it's not about our capacity to work for his love or earn his presence, but recognizing in our own lives those things that are a drain on our resources can help us to build rhythms and practices that will sustain us. Writer Sarah Bessie says, even in the wildest of places, I hope you know and welcome and practice love. It will make any small meal into a feast, bring any desert into bloom. And this is my challenge for us, St. John's, as we go into 2024. I was sitting in the pub with Clint the other night, and honestly, for much of the last few months, it has felt as though God has been mostly silent. But we were talking about today, and into my head popped a sense of what God is leading us as a church to focus our thoughts around as we go into this year. I was reminded of one of my favorite verses from Ephesians 3, the end of verse 17 to verse 19. I'll read it for you now. I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I wonder... In a time where darkness and instability is all around, can we, as St. John's, live into this 
together. To know that we are rooted and established in the love of God. To commit that we go high, seeking his presence over the noise all around. That we become a people who go deep with one another, seeking to connect through real relationships. That we share God's love widely with those who are around us. And that we understand that we are part of something long. That God's story in this place began before us and will continue long beyond us. We're going to produce a graphic of that on a postcard so we can all have those points as reminders of what it is we are leaning into this year. I wonder what it might look like to live intentionally, seeking the fullness of this love, the deep and wide love of God in how we grow our faith and relate to those around us. So this year, as we seek to go back to basics and put first things first, can I encourage us all to reflect on our own or in our small groups how we can become more rooted and established in the love of God? What might we need to tune into more clearly? What might we need to tune out? And how can we create the space in our own lives to receive and live in the fullness of that love which is beyond our understanding day by day. We're going to take a little bit of time to pray together now and I'm intentionally going to create some space for silence as we pray so that we can reflect on those things together. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for what we can learn from you in scripture. We thank you for the example of your intervention with both the family of Jesus and the Magi in keeping them safe and enabling them to be uh, set free from the disturbance that was all around them. For us here, Lord, as we live in your love together as community. Pray that you would help each of us to really understand what it means to be rooted and established in the love of God. Lord, as we go into our daily lives this week, as many of us go back to work or school and uh, begin the new rhythms of this year, we pray that you would help us to create space in our lives to encounter your presence. 
Lord, we thank you that your love is higher than we can possibly imagine. Help us to know how we best connect with you. And in a moment of quiet, you might want to reflect on how you can invest in your relationship with God this year. Lord, we thank you for the people that we are in close relationship with. We thank you for those people who inspire and challenge us in our faith. We thank you for those people who speak life and truth to us. And we acknowledge that we can be those people for others too. We pray for our relationships. Help us to be a church that goes deeper. Help us to intentionally build relationships that are real and honest. Help us to take the risks to be able to be vulnerable with one another. And in a moment of quiet, why not thank God for those people who speak life and truth for you? Lord, we thank you that your love is wider than we can possibly imagine. It reaches out into the forgotten corners of the world. We pray that you would help us to be a church that has good peripheral vision, that we will be looking all around us for the places where you're already at work. Help us to be a church whose arms are long and wide. Help us to be those who love well and give of ourselves. And in a moment of quiet, you may just want to thank God for areas where this church is already involved in outreach or areas in your own life where you're able to share the love of God. And Lord, as we think about the way that your love is also long, we are reminded that we are part of a narrative that has gone way before us and will stretch into the future beyond us. We thank you for the faithful witness of this church in this place. And we pray that you would help us to understand that we are a part of your story. Help us to set ourselves free from the responsibility to complete it. And in a, in a moment of quiet, let's give thanks 
for the many lives that have been impacted and shaped through the ministry of this church. So Lord, we are grateful for your love, which is beyond our understanding and which holds and anchors all of our lives together. Help us all as we go into this new year to live intentionally in a way that gives your love space to shape our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So the worship team are going to come back now and lead us in a song before communion as we worship together. Let's take the opportunity to let the uh, words that I've been speaking and the things you've been processing really sink. (laughs) 